And for myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to episode 221. This time around, you are joined by singer-songwriter Carol's Daughter. At time of release, the 18-year-old is celebrating over 200 million streams of her smash single, Violent, with its beautiful horror-inspired video, and it's just put out another new single, Trailer Trash. We'll talk all about that, her ability to pull beautiful melodies out of the dark, the horror films that fuel her, and so much more. Episode 221 starts now. This is Carol's daughter, and you're listening to another terrifying episode of The Boo Crew. Joining the Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is a singer-songwriter who is having a massive impact. She got an acoustic guitar for her birthday when she was 13 years old, and by the time she hit 18 this past year, it was one of many incredible songs she uploaded to SoundCloud that shot up to 2 million streams before it was embraced by creators on TikTok. The song Violent now has accumulated well over 20 million streams across all platforms and found itself at the top of Spotify's Viral 50 chart. She found a new home at Arista Records that has given her an awesome megaphone with which to spread the whimsical mysteries of her unorthodox songwriting imbued with the magic of fairy tale melodies and an enchanting darkness that is absolutely captivating. At time of release, her new single Trailer Trash is out now. We are honored to welcome Carol's Daughter. Yeah. yeah! Wow, you guys did your research. <laughs> that was like the best intro I've ever had. Oh my gosh. Well, well deserved. How are you holding up through pandemia? Oh God, I've just been making music. I stay home. My mom cooks more. It's lit. I swim like hot tub, just hang out with my one friend and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, you've been certainly at the center of the soundtrack for a lot of people's time in quarantine in a very good way, in the sense that, like, we find that everyone kind of draw is, is drawn to music that's very personal and cathartic, and we're all clinging to that right now. So for Violent to kind of come out during this makes a lot of sense. Is your relationship with songwriting, you say, it's 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 been even going more crazy during this time? You've been spending a lot of time being able to do that? You know, I definitely go through phases of like songwriting and stuff. I always, the most I've ever written was when I was in rehab because I did not have a phone. I didn't have any distractions and I definitely didn't want to participate in whatever the hell they were making me do. So I would just write a ton. But now like, because, you know, Violent has been really successful. Like there's a ton of other stuff like going on that I have to like navigate and like all this stuff that I've never experienced in my life. So yeah, but I, I still writing is just like second nature to me. Like I, I just, I can't even walk around or like look at things without just like literally things happening in my brain. I don't know. That's a good, that's <laughs> like a good thing to have. That's, time. that's amazing. 
I was going to ask about that. With all the success happening for you during a very surreal time, it must even be more weird and dreamlike for you for it to be happening now and doing virtual press and and reflecting on all these songs and everything. How's that process been like? Are you getting anything out of reflection and talking about the stuff? It's super weird because it almost feels like everything's fake, like because just everything's online. So it's like, this isn't really happening. And then, you know, I'm still like living at home with my parents. Like I always have been. And I still feel the same, but it's like all this other stuff's going on. That's like crazy. But yeah. Now, well, we're going to say, I was going to say you have nine siblings, right? You're one of 10. I'm the youngest of 10. How is that? I mean, we have four kids and I think, that's crazy. I can't even imagine what a house is like with 10 children. My mom's just insane. I don't know why <laughs> she would do that. <laughs> do you like having a big family? Yeah, like, I mean, I don't know anything else. I definitely like being the youngest because it makes sense. Like the youngest of 10 and like no, none of my other siblings, like, you know, were really that crazy or anything. So I was like, guess it's my turn. Like nobody else is going to do it. I'm the last one. Like, I think it definitely affected me in that way. But it's, I mean, it's so crazy having a big family. Like I have a nephew that's older than me by three months and we're like best friends. And it's also cool having my siblings that live all over the place because I can just like go visit them. And then it's like, my sister lives in Hawaii. So that's awesome. So one of the many things that, draws a listener into your work so much is how deeply personal it seems and songs like vomit and permadeath sound like you kind of gave us the key to your journal and as much as it makes the music incredibly relatable it also gives the listener the feeling sometimes of the rush of getting let into something that they weren't supposed to see what kind of experience do you hope a listener gets from your music I definitely think that's super true. And like, I, and I honestly feel like vomit, for example, that is so, it is not like there's no hidden meaning or anything. It's literally just that I throw up from anxiety all the time. Vomit, you make me feel so nauseous. I like how you are just honest. Now say you promise. You know, if you just say something like that, like a lot of the time people will be like, oh, that's such a cool metaphor. Like, I love that. What does that mean? And like people can take it, you know, any way. But like, yeah, it's it's just me being honest and like talking about things, honestly, that I'm sometimes embarrassed about or I could not really talk about that without putting it into a song. And and also, you know, putting that stuff out, not really thinking or knowing that not a ton of people were going to hear it at the time because like I didn't have like hardly any like listeners on SoundCloud or anything and so it was kind of just like a safe space for me to just like rant and then like when violence started to blow up it was like whoa like I'm having to you know give pieces of myself to so many people all of a sudden like it's so many people you know full set of brain but I lost it I can stand another day I'm exhausted I hate the people that I meet in the mosh pit. Street folks say dropping cause they're not in a town. Black love in my veins, I cannot be saved. Black love in my veins, 
does that feel? Does it does it feel intrusive in a way, or is it cathartic? Do you feel good about it? How does you, how do you feel? It's definitely like freeing in a way because it's like I'm not hiding anything and and I'm just like who I am and whatever. But then obviously like when I get comments of, of like people like, you know, taking my experience and then like, you know, using it to shame me in a way or like people shame addicts so much for just like going through that. And it's just like so stupid. So, I mean, that's a little bothersome, but like other than that, I mean, I think someone needs to talk about it. Like I, I've heard it all. So it's like, it really doesn't matter. Um, like if I can help anybody by just like talking about like going to treatment or like getting over an eating disorder or addiction or any of that stuff, like I've been through a lot. So it's like, I'm going to try and help people. Your experience with addiction, how far back does it go? I'm an ex heroin addict. So I haven't, I've been off that for like two and a half, like a very long time, like two years. I mean, that's a long time for me because I'm young. But yeah, I, I started using when I was like 11, which is really young. And I was in rehab pretty much from ages 13 to 17, either for mental health. It was, it was for all, all of it because like just general mental health, eating disorder and having a drug addiction, you know, you just can't be like, you just need help. The story is you got your first guitar, acoustic guitar when you were 13. So at what point did the music side of you kind of um, enter the picture? Was it during, it was it kind of to deal with what you're going through with addiction and rehab? Did it, was it sparked by that experience in any way? I think definitely like it was pretty much what I say, like what got me sober at the beginning. Cause I just had nothing. Like I felt like I had nothing. And then, you know, you just feel so bad about yourself and like, you've done all these terrible things and then, and then you get clean and you're like, now what, like, now what am I like, what do I do with myself? And like, so being able to write and put out music, like it just gave me a purpose, but I've, I've always known that I was going to be a musician. So I wouldn't say it like just came into play then, but like. You've been through so much, both good and bad. What are some of the ways that your own music has brought you back to yourself and to your family? That's a really good question. I think music has always been kind of constant in my life. Like, you know, growing up, my parents were Mormon. So we went to church and like, we always, there was always music, like one hour, like, you know, you would sing and like, I would do music with my siblings and my brother would play the piano and we would just like improv songs and just like do all this stuff. And then, so it brought us together, like my, me and my siblings. And then later in life, you know, when, when I kind of, was really not that close to my parents because of like what I was going through and like our relationship just wasn't good. When they saw me kind of like lean into like music and like this talent, you know, it made them happy. And they were like, you know, proud of me that I was like doing something good. And like, I think just seeing me happy or seeing me proud of something that I was doing, you know, just like brought us closer together. And then now like my relationship with my parents is super close. Like I, obviously you know carol's daughter where do you think your love of melody comes from would you say it comes from music at at church did it start there what do you mean like love of melody well like just the one thing that is in kind of injected into all your all your songs are these incredibly 
impactful melodies. You'll find the coolest melodies to sing over the most intricate, bizarro production at times, but you'll always find some seed of a sweet melody to put on top mm-hmm. of it. And I'm wondering where that comes from. Is it, uh, were you listening to it? Like, it almost sounds like you grew up listening to music from the 60s and 70s in, in a way, right? Um, like when those, those mel- yeah. you know, melodies is what it, what it was all about. My parent, well, my parents are pretty old so they were that's the type of music we i grew up listening to like my mom's favorite band is the bgs i love the bgs <laughs> but yeah i love like um electric light orchestra a lot too they have great melodies but yeah i honestly like it's kind of weird like i just kind of always like when i just listen to a beat like it just kind of comes out like i don't know i just can hear it with it And also, but in church though, like the girls sing the third. So we sing like the harmony. And so I have a really good ear for like harmonies now, just because of doing that in church, which is probably the only great, good thing I got from that experience. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) It counts for something. Yeah, I guess it does. Yeah. Yeah. I was just uh, thinking about the inspiration and your songwriting. Does it come from your daily life, deep personal experiences and relationships? Yes. But also sometimes I'll write things that I haven't experienced yet, but I'm just kind of going on this like creative, like journey or whatever. I'm just, you know, it's more of like a headspace or like an emotion. And I can just kind of imagine a scenario around this emotion or like think of a good way so other people can understand it. But then, but then months later, I'll listen to this song and I'm like, holy crap, like, this is my life. Like I'll just write things into existence. It's super weird. It's actually really crazy. We got to talk about the video for violent, right? With you covered in blood with the spiked collar and in a bathtub full of black water filled with dolls heads and your amazing eye makeup and everything going on. It certainly has a horror element and is being part of uh, bloody disgusting. We are all about it. And we just wanted to know what do you like about that imagery and aesthetic? Well, So the director as well is like a huge horror fan. And we were just talking and like he he knew like my style, like he knew I would like like that sort of stuff. And then I told him I really loved Junji Ito, the artist and like the bathtub scene with the black water and the doll heads is like inspired by one of his pieces of artwork. So he just kind of like recreated that for the scene. But I think it was so perfect, like for that song specifically, because like my style is all about like taking elements of like punk and like goth and like hardcore, like fashion and and whatever. And then like also combining it with like feminine and like, you know, the song is really like pretty and sweet. So I thought like it would just be perfect if the video was just like the complete opposite of that, because the, the lyrical content is still pretty dark, which is a theme that actually stays pretty consistent in like a lot of my music. Yeah. That's that polarity that is really like intoxicating to watch and experience. And then we have the acoustic video for violent. Someone put it pretty awesomely in the comments on, on YouTube that the studio version is angry. And in this version, the anger is gone and the sadness sets in. What's your thoughts on, on the different impact that that song in particular takes on when you strip away some of that production and you're playing it intimately in an acoustic guitar in a boat. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh my God. That, it was freezing. It was freezing. <laughs> I never, ever want to do anything like that ever again. And I'm so glad that it turned out like it turned out really amazing. I love that video. 
and it was definitely worth it, but I'm never doing something like that again. <laughs> <laughs> it was it perfect. Was it was like a painting though. And your outfit yeah. and that was incredible. Did you come up with the, that look? Oh, I do. I do all my makeup and wardrobe for videos. It was literally at like 1 a.m. Like I was so cold. Where did you do but it? Where? Yeah. It was at this school. Oh, God, I forgot the name of the college, but like it has a little farm. It's in like like Woodland Hills area. OK. And there's just like this little lake. It looked exactly like the video. Like there was no like sneaky stuff to make it like the perfect set. Like it was the perfect set. It was beautiful. Like it was really hidden. Like I don't think anybody would know it's there unless you like go to that school and are in like the farm program. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. And I, oh my God. I think right. I left my Vivian Westwood necklace in a horse bathroom. No oh, way. No. <laughs> a screen used Carol's daughter waving. So if anyone wants to go find that. Oh my I, gosh, that's incredible. Oh. So yeah, going back to the going back to the original question, what do you think about the different context that that song takes when you perform it in different ways? I love seeing like what how people take it and how people interpret it because it's like literally different for everyone. But yeah, like the acoustic version I'm always just a singer-songwriter. Like, it's always just been me and my guitar, and, like, that's, you know, how I feel, like, most comfortable. So having the song, like, stripped down to that just felt, like, kind of natural. But, yeah. Don't make me run away at the back door. Oh, I'm a close back. You say you miss me. So then I drive back to you. I drive back to you. Did you ever really love me? Now my nose is filled with powder And I think that she's still lovely Oh no, she knows I'm a wreck Let's talk a little bit about your horror influence And the darker side of things As far as the imagery Are you a fan of horror films, literature, dark fantasy Any of that kind of stuff at all? Yes, I have seen pretty much like I've seen a lot of horror movies we understand you're a big Stephen King fan as well. What are some of the film adaptions of his work that you like? I like Gerald's Game is like really good. I love that movie. I also like like his books too. It's really hard for me to like read like a full book because I'm just so ADHD. I'm just like like getting distracted every two seconds. But um, yeah. And I also think Ari Aster, he's so good. I love I love Hereditary. Hereditary is so good. And Midsommar was like intense. Like I have never, I've left feeling like the same thing, like music and like horror movies or anything. Like I'm a very like physical reactive person. Certain types of music will literally like chaotic punk music will calm my anxiety. Cause it's like, it's like so much going on. That's like it's the only thing I can think about. And then like, horror movies you know that specific one left me with like the biggest like just hole in my stomach like just like i didn't know what to do with myself like and that's like that's kind of the feeling like i search for we have some props from hereditary and it's really crazy like the art department even on like in the dollhouse the little dressers like the drawer handles are King Paimon signs like yeah, symbols. they're made out of the symbol of the demon King Paimon. Wow. You, you can't even see that on screen, but it's like just and you know what? That's so funny. That's everywhere. That's everywhere in like filmmaking. Like even in my videos, like 
you know, there's so many little things like in the acoustic video, there were a bunch of dolls and bears and stuff taped or not taped, but like zip tied to the boat. And they had painted my triangle black makeup on them. But you can't see them at all. But like, it's the coolest thing ever. I'm like, only I know about it. But like, I believe that all that stuff has like a subconscious effect on on people when you take in art. It's such a cool thing. Yeah, I love that. Do you have like a comfort horror movie, like something you just always go to and watch? I think Hush is really good. I think Hush is just like a good horror movie. You brought up like Mike Flanagan. Yeah, Mike Flanagan stuff, right? Because Mike Flanagan directed Gerald's Game, the Stephen King adaption you're talking about, and Hush. Did you watch The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix? I haven't seen that. No, should I? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it was made by the same director of of Hush and Gerald's Game. You probably love it. I'm kind of like, sometimes I have to be in a certain mood for like horror movie because sometimes it'll be like, I'm kind of a little bitch and I'm like, like to Midsommar, like when the when they crushed the guy's head like it made me sick to my stomach like that's you know what i mean and then also on tiktok there was a movie that was like going viral right and it's called megan is missing i watched i I watched two minutes of it and i turned it off (laughs) the boo crew will be right back stephen king his stories have terrified millions george a romero his films have frightened the world now, the masters of horror have created an entirely new experience. Creep Show, a movie that will give you the creeps. Creep Show, the most fun you'll ever have. Being scared. Rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent. You got your Beetlejuice shirt on. Is Tim Burton films? Is he a director that you like? I want to li- like. I got a tattoo. Oh wow! That's so cool. Nice. So I look like Sally, but I love I love Tim Burton. Like those are probably the comfort movies for sure. Like they're just all so good and just like oh so good. Nightmare Before Christmas is like a classic. Well, watching horror movies are they simply uh, simple entertainment for you? Or do you find them to be like as a form of uh, immersive escapism? With the more artistic ones, like they really do like actually inspire me. And I really like appreciate just like the filmmaking and like the art behind it and everything. But then there are some ones that I just watch to, you know, watch and I get scared. You know, what was a really good horror movie actually. That was like, it was, it was funny because like I wasn't allowed to watch PG or I wasn't allowed to watch rated R movies like for a while, like way past, just like not early enough. (laughs) And like, so the only horror movie like we could watch in our rehab too was like Lights Out because it was PG-13. It was actually a really good one. Like for being PG-13, like they didn't have to put all the bad stuff in it to actually make a good horror movie. Like I was like, that was cool. Yeah, some of the best horror movies are PG-13. It's true. The first song that you ever posted on SoundCloud as Carol's Daughter, was it Wish I Was Dead? Uh, yeah, the first song I posted as Carol's Daughter, because I had some stuff that I made with my friend that like, they released on their account like way early on. But like, yeah, that was the first SoundCloud song, I think. Drugs are fake and nothing's real. I'm awake, but- 
what do you think gave you the confidence to start putting yourself out there in that way? Honestly, I had promised myself that when I got home from rehab that I was going to just start putting music out because I'd been writing all these songs and I was like, I just, it's so easy. Like I just have to get it out there like, and you know, work on my Instagram and like do all this stuff. And then I just did. And then we have a song FWYK where we hear what sounds like a full band and a real, another sick melody on top of it. Tell us about who's on that track. Okay. I recorded that song. Um, all of it was recorded on the phone, but it's all real instruments. My friend Zach was on drums and my friend Tommy was on bass. And then, yeah, that song I wrote just on my guitar and I just, you know, hit them up. I was like, we should record this. Like song's pretty sick. Cause you know, it's, four, it's simple four chords, you know, my usual easy writing songwriting tip and they just kind of killed it and we just recorded that and then posted it. In the Gray. That's a really, really cool song. There's this kind of balancing act of you saying I and you, I and you. What does that song mean to you? That song's about the concept of, um, you know, being stuck in the gray, which is just kind of like the gray area. Like you're not doing great and you're not going to die. Like you're not doing anything terrible, but like you're not as happy as you could be. And you're just content and you're being complacent. And that's a, you know, concept that I struggle with a lot because I feel I, I'm a huge perfectionist. And I, in even in recovery, like I constantly feel like, you know, you're not doing enough. Like you're not, you're still doing this and this and this and you need to be better. Like you need to be the best. And, and it's also talking about how so many people are content just staying there. And so many people are content just like drinking and smoking their life away. And me kind of looking at that from an outsider's perspective and being like, I want more than that. I also recorded that in rehab. So you had access to like a laptop, I assume or something or it was this one bougie place I went to for like a week in LA. They had like a computer lab with a couple of like Mac, like desktop Macs. And I had to tell everyone, there were people in the room with me and I literally had to be like, shut up. Like I'm literally recording. Like, please, this is the only thing that I fucking like. So just stop for two seconds. Wow. Like, and you can actually hear them you in cold bathroom floor because i recorded both those songs on the same day you can hear them talking in the background that's insane (laughs) that's amazing to get that context I encourage anyone listening or watching this to dive deep into Carol's daughter's SoundCloud page and go on this journey. Don't stop at violent. Go backwards. Go deep into the catalog because you're going to hear this really broad sense of musical adventure that she takes you on. Another one of those tracks that's a really good example of just how how crazy it gets is on the, the song Brat one of those moments that you just go for it talk about that collab a little bit i just found i found that beat on youtube 
CQ Sleep is he's so good like oh my god these nobody can compare to these russian youtube producers like they're in the future i'm telling you so i just found the beat i went on it i like you know dm'd him i sent him it and you know he was like yeah like that's awesome like you can use it and it was just like i wanted to do something like weird like and it, that song is kind of to represent like the two parts of my personality or basically like i'm masking or like this is how i'm at the beginning, you know, it's all like trapped out, like manic, manically rapping sort of. And it's like, I'm like, don't fucking cross me, basically, you know? And then it's like the very soft part and where it's like more intimate and it's actually like, that's how I actually am. And then it goes back into it. Everybody just asks about violent and like, I'm just really happy to talk about some, like all this other stuff. It's, it's amazing yeah. stories. So, I mean, now that you are part of a big record label, has that affected the way that you record your music? Cause part of that charm, you know, you got that intimate bedroom crafted feel and you also have that knack of being able to explore with different sounds and producers. Has any of this affected that in any way? In a lot of, I mean, in some ways it's easier without just because, you know, you just do literally whatever you want. And like, I was just finding YouTube beats. The second I made a song, the second I got a mix back, I would just drop it. And now like things are a lot more like calculated and it takes a lot longer to make a song now just because it's more like professional, I guess. But I had never even been in a studio. So when I was signed, the first time I went to a studio, it was like really cool. But just like meeting producers through my label, I've met like two really cool people too. Just working in a, in a room with somebody else is like just a huge change. Like going from just recording it on my headphones, you know, in my bedroom to having to like show people it and like listen to their ideas. And, you know, like it's definitely just way more collaborative, which is cool in a way, but also it just takes longer. And how have you been feeling about that experience and the results? Is it something that has kind of sparked new ideas in you? Is it fun to be able to have that those resources? Yeah, like the new song, I mean, Trailer Trash. And I also have a new song, Please Put Me in a Medically Induced Coma. They're not new to me, but they're like just recorded. Those songs I've played for years. Like I've been sitting on them for years, just like playing them all the time on the guitar and not really ever knowing what it was going to sound like after I recorded it, because I'd only ever heard it with just, just acoustically. And then seeing it go like kind of a completely like super awesome direction, like trailer trash is like kind of bulky in a way. And like, I didn't think I was gonna, I don't know, like, it's just cool. Um, and then please put me in a medically induced coma is like super pop punk. Like it almost sounds like Avril Lavigne stuff, you know, back in the day which is just like none of, I, I just love trying new things. And like, I've never put out a song that's like, like that. And that's what I've been always, always doing is like, well, I only made one violent. I'm only ever going to make one violent. I only ever make, you know, one song. So it's just cool to see it go like a completely different direction than I had originally thought and then loving it, you know? 
uh, sonically, your music is fantastic and can go in so many different directions. Who would you like to collaborate with? Is there a dream team you'd like to write and record with, perhaps? Well, so far, I've done everything. I'm not everything myself. Like, producers, of course, like, need love, of course. But um, I think I can really take my... I mean, I don't want to work with anybody, like, writing-wise, because I think my writing is, like, mine. But, like, I love Bring Me the Horizon. I love My Chemical Romance. I don't know if I would collab with them or how or how would that would go but like i just love them or to, to to tour with them would be crazy i could see you touring with rap bands i could see you touring with death yeah. metal bands you know what i mean like pop bands <laughs> there's so many things that you could just fall right into it's 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 yeah. what makes you very unique and singular which is awesome what about metal to talk about how heavy metal do you go as far as what you oh, listen to i okay I, do you know who Agoraphobic Nosebleed yeah, is? Yeah, hell yeah. I like Agoraphobic Nosebleed. I like Brinecore and like Mincecore too. Oh, I like Ginger. Ginger, awesome. Ginger's really awesome. I just recently yeah. discovered them and Tatiana, the singer. Oh my God, it's insane. She's my idol. Like, oh my God, she's awesome. I wish I had those vocals. Do you ever watch those videos of like people react, like vocal coaches reacting and, and they'll watch yeah. like Ginger sing and they'll just like... <laughs> Knowing what is about to happen as us, it the fans, is so funny. Blows to everyone watch it. away. Yeah, yeah. I also insane. like Suicide Silence. I like old Bring Me the Horizon. Like they're more like hardcore stuff for sure. I wanted to talk just a bit more about Trailer Trash in in particular. So that song in particular, how long ago did you come up with the concept for that song? Is that something that has been you know just recently in the past six months or whenever you were leading up to recording? Or is that something that's been years in the making? The concept Trailer Trash was about two years ago. So like that chorus, the I'm Trailer Trash. And then the beginning I wrote pretty recently like less than six months ago like just the beginning where it's like the i've seen friends turn to junkies part that didn't used to be in there but it was actually two separate songs and i was just like fuck it amazing trailer trash right yeah. <laughs> well now it sounds it sounds like anthemic when you put that whole band on there did was yeah. the backing track kind of constructed around your idea i assume and then you got to elaborate on the concept is that yeah right? we just recorded yeah, like I just recorded the guitar parts and then I did my vocals. And then from there, we just like kept on adding like more and more stuff. And it was just kept on getting cooler and cooler at one point. Oh, do you know who Johnny Hobo is like Pat the Bunny? Yeah. 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 So that's kind of what inspired or like his writing kind of is what inspired like that song originally. Cause the, the acoustic version is like, I, I can see the similarities like in the, you know, lyrical content or whatever. Life isn't fair. I'm trailer trash. Drunk off my ass. And my savings went to liquor. So I'm all out of cash. I'm living fast. I hate my past. And my shoes are old and ugly, but they still seem to last. Wow. Is there a space or a place that you go to that really inspires you to write your room? This room. Yeah. This room. <laughs> Carol's daughter headquarters right there. Oh, I was going to mention one last thing on trailer trash. Jumping into falsetto in that very last line is absolutely fire. When did you come up with that idea to do that? Was that in the studio, birthed in the studio or? That was original. Yeah, that's always been in it. Actually, that last line, the I wash my clothes at the laundromat, that line, when it goes up, that was supposed to be like 
in the chorus every time. But then like when we went to the studio, I was like, we, you know, we talked and we we're like, actually, it's a lot more powerful if it's just once at the very end, you know. But yeah, I love that's my favorite line, probably, because that line's true. Like our fucking washing machine bro- or our dryer and washing machine broke. And so we just didn't get a new one for so long. And it was so annoying. And I was so sick of having like crunchy clothes. Like we just hang it out outside. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I want crunchy towels. Like, I can't do this. So I would just go to my friend's house and like use her laundromat, use her laundry. So I wanted to ask if you believe in the paranormal or if you've had any paranormal experiences. Okay, I believe I, I believe in aliens. I believe in paranormal like activity, but I think like the the TV shows are the funniest things ever. Like Ghost Adventures, like I literally just watch it to like make fun of this dude. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I've never had, I've never really had a crazy experience. That's why, like, I still believe in it, but I would probably believe a lot more if something crazy happened to me. But I also stay away. I stay away from that kind of stuff too. Like growing up, if I had a Ouija board, no, (laughs) No we're not allowed to mess with that type of stuff. Like I've never even touched one. It's weird that they sell them in like toy stores too. Like pink ones. Yeah, they sell pink ones. For kids, uh, yeah, at like Spencer's or something. Right, yeah, oh, like like literally when Toys R Us is around, they sell pink Ouija boards at Toys R Us. Yeah, like yeah. I believe in it. I believe in it so much that I. That's why I don't. Exactly. Mess with it. Exactly. Same with us. Would yeah. you? I don't know enough about it to like be con- like I don't want to do any of that. Right. <laughs> like, right. Would you ever go to Zach Baggins' haunted museum? Is that some place you'd want to go? I've never actually heard of that. So it's a museum that has like all this paranormal haunted items. Yeah, it's actually the guy from Ghost Adventures, Zach Baggins, who does uh, the Ghost Adventures TV show. He opened his own museum in Vegas in a haunted Victorian house. And he I don't want to go unless he's there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he houses haunted objects there. So things that from investigations and things from serial killers and all this stuff. And he houses it in this one building. And in some rooms, you have to sign waivers even to be in the same room as some of the things, because apparently stuff goes down. The energy in that place. Right. I don't see. I don't we talk about it too. Like we're fascinated by that stuff, but like you said, it's one thing to be fascinated by it, but it's another thing to believe in it so much that you do want to stay away from it yeah. <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> yeah, we won't watch Demon House. That's a movie that has a warning that like you could become possessed if you watch this movie. Or yeah, also done yeah. by Zach Baggins, yeah. the Ghost Adventures movie where he investigates a haunted house, but they say that the documentary is cursed. So what's the actual scariest movie that you guys have ever seen? That's a great question. That is a really good question. Leo, do you got an answer for that? Yeah, for me, it's going to be The Exorcist and probably only because I saw it way too young before I truly understood, you know, the movie. Now as an adult, I understand it. And I do believe that demons are real. So, you know, it's still a movie that can easily haunt me to this day. 
anything with demonic possession probably yeah it goes yeah. down for the scariest because like like we said it's something that i think hey could happen the vatican believes it so probably the exorcist lauren what about you i'm trying to think of like what we've recently seen that's been scary there's all kinds of scares there's like deep scares there's jump scare scares like yeah. it all there's the- like the psychological like fuck you up like at the end type of movies that's the ones that i really like hereditary is is one of them that probably yeah. out of the past you know 10 years or something you know walk out of the theater and you just it just what did i just see you know oh one more thing on netflix there's actually this new show show it's called behind her eyes oh wow i haven't seen it it's actually pretty good like it has this twist at the end but yeah it's like kind of for like it's really like it keeps you on your toes you're like I can tell something's off, but I don't know if this is like horror or not. And then it like gets a little scary, but it's really good. Oh, that's cool. We've been watching a show that's... called Servant on it's on Apple TV Plus of all places, and it's by M Night Shyamalan, who did like Sixth Sense and and those movies, and it's really really scary. Well, listen. Carol's daughter, thank you so much for being a part of this with us today. We are such big fans of yours, and we really appreciate your time. Thank you. It was so nice talking to you guys. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 221. Special thanks to our guest, Carol's daughter. Follow her on Instagram at Carol's daughter. That's a number three for the E in daughter. And check out and continue to show love for Violent and her new single, Trailer Trash. Music for this episode from Carol's daughter. Production tracks provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it is the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. The Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.